All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Philippians. Now, the last time we were here, we were in the at the end of chapter two, and we were looking at two examples of ministers and ministry. And that is we're looking at the person of Timothy when Paul was talking about how Timothy was his son in the faith, how he had a like minded heart for genuine care and concern for the Philippian church and also how they should receive Epaphroditus. And remember, we talked about all of that, who was the bearer of the letter of this particular letter. But he was also a member of the uh, Philippian church who was sent for the purpose of serving Paul during his imprisonment. But nevertheless, he Paul sent him back because he had gotten sick. And Paul had told them he not so much as admonished them, but he was informing them on how they should receive Epaphroditus. But the bottom line is what we saw was basically two examples of ministry. Uh, that is with respect to Timothy, we saw service, a true service and care for the people underlining Paul's theme for the book of Philippians. One of his primary themes that is considering the needs of others greater than your own needs, putting others before yourselves, considering them more important than yourself. So we saw that example being given in Timothy. It was also given in Epaphroditus too with the sense of Epaphroditus' self-serving ministry. Remember, Paul said that Epaphroditus came to the point of death, but the idea is yet he continued in his service to Paul, even though Paul sent him back for his own sake, Paul said, because he didn't want to have sorrow upon sorrow. But nevertheless, the point with Epaphroditus is how to receive and how to respect ministers, true ministers in the faith. Okay. Enough of all of that. So now let's go into chapter three, even though chapter three is of some length, we don't want to spend a great deal of unnecessary time in that. So let's see if we can do all of chapter three in one video. So the idea is Paul is preparing to end his letter. Uh, to the Philippians, but before he ends his letters, because we're going to have three and chapter four as well, but before he draws to the close of the letter, he wants to give them a specific warning. Now it's going to echo back to one of the warnings that Paul was speaking of in chapter one, not so much as a warning, but a statement that is about the false ministers. And, and, and when it, when I say false ministers, oh, I probably shouldn't get into it right now, but since I've opened the door, but when I say false minister, I don't mean so much as false with a false gospel. I mean those with bad motives. But that idea is going to rehash itself in chapter three, but more pointedly so with false gospels. And we'll talk about that as we work through the text. But anyway, let's just start chapter three. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, let me just simply stop there. So he, he opens it up, preparing the end. He simply tells them to rejoice. 
rejoice in whether it's in sufferings, rejoice in being in fellowship with Christ Jesus. And when I say fellowship, it is in joining Paul in the gospel, sharing with Paul in the gospel, in the suffering of Christ Jesus, just being rejoiceful in all things with respect to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And then he talks about in writing, he writes these things in particular, the things that he's about to enunciate. Uh, he said it's not a trouble to him, but it is for the good of the Philippians. And that's why he calls it a safeguard to them. So what he is about to say is it doesn't bother Paul to say it, but it is good for the Philippians to hear them, maybe even once again to hear these things. And what is this that is to beware of the dogs? Now, in verse number two, and I'm not I'm not going to go too fast, but I don't want to spend just unnecessary time. The dogs, evil workers and false circumcision. These are descriptors of the same people. And these are what well, you, you may have sometimes heard me say or read the Judaizers, Judaizers. That is, these were men, J Jewish teachers per se, but men who would oftentimes come after Paul. Paul would come establish a church, strengthen a church or whatever. And then, and of course, Paul would teach them Faith in Christ alone, trust in the works and the person of Jesus alone for your salvation. And this is enough. This is finished. Your salvation is full and complete. When you believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus, God took form, human form, died for your sins, rose from the dead, and you have faith in him alone, you are saved and your salvation is complete. But what these Judaizers, these Jewish teachers would come in and do, they would begin to teach. And remember, Paul would give this message primarily to the Gentiles, non-Jews. So what these Jews would come and do later on in Paul's absence, they would teach the Gentiles that it would be it was necessary for them to be circumcised and to keep the law of Moses. And this is why they were referred to as Judaizers and they themselves became false teachers. So the idea is if you really want to be saved, if you really want to be completely and fully saved and complete with all that God has for you to be, then you need to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. So thus what they were actually saying is that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was not enough, which meant that they were bringing in a sense of works. That is their salvation would be completed or perfected by what they did. Thus the need to keep the law of Moses, the need to be circumcised. And this is what the Judaizers was doing. These Jewish teachers, Thus, you see Paul being so adamantly against them and you see the pejoratives that Paul uses when he addresses them. Notice he calls them dogs. So he says to the Philippian congregation, beware the dogs. Now, you need to understand that uh, customarily 
This was a name, a negative name. That's why I called it a pejorative. This was a negative name that the Jews had given the Gentiles. But notice Paul has done a complete reversal here because what they pollute the gospel of Christ. They pollute the, pur the purity of the gospel of Christ salvation by faith in Jesus alone. They distort this by trying to tell these Gentile believers that they need to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, that they are going to be saved or perfected by what they do. Hence, Paul says, no, as the Jews would once call the Gentiles, the dog, the truth of the matter is they themselves are the dogs. That is these Jews who pervert the gospel of Christ. And again, he is not saying Jews as a whole, but the Jews who are teaching the necessity to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, bringing in the idea you are going to complete or perfect or bring the fullness of salvation by what you do. And this is an absolute, absolute perversion of the gospel. No person can be saved by what they do, by adding on to the gospel. It is faith in Jesus alone, faith in his person. And whenever you hear me say person, it means he is God who came from heaven and took human form. Faith in Jesus's works that he lived the righteous life, that righteous life that can be that is imputed, put to the account of those who believe in Jesus, that Jesus paid the price for their sins and he rose from the dead. Faith in Jesus alone that saves. And this is the complete work of God. Okay, let me go on. Let me go on because I'm doing what I said I would not do. But he warns them, beware the dogs. And the word that he uses for dogs here, kunos, and, and I'm just simply saying this for your understanding. Almost in every time that this particular word is used, it is used in the negative sense. It is not the same word that Jesus used to the Greek Syrophoenician woman, which is translated little dogs or household pet. That is a kind of a, a more of a nice and a gentle name that he used for them. But here the name dogs is clearly negative. It is a pejorative. But anyway, and who are they also? These Judaizers, these dogs, evil workers. Why does he call them evil workers? Because they are adding to the gospel, which is no addition. You cannot add to the gospel. Therefore, you distort and pervert the gospel. But they are called themselves teaching and preaching uh, uh, the truth of righteousness, the truth of salvation, the fullness. You got to understand it in that way. The fullness of righteousness, the fullness of the truth, because you only get the fullness when when you're circumcised, when you keep the law of Moses. Faith in Jesus is good, but it's not enough. Therefore, with this, they become evil workers. And he calls them, it's translated here, false circumcision. But the actual Greek word is katatomain. 
It is a hypoxylagomena. Hypoxylagomena, nothing but a Latin term that means a word that is used one time uh, in scripture. But the, it literally means flesh cutters. So the point that I'm trying to drive is you can see the negativeness that is coming from Paul as he talks about these Judaizers, these people bringing in another gospel, a different gospel. And this is exactly what Paul was saying to the Galatians, as we see in the epistle to the Galatian, as they were being heavily influenced by these Judaizers. And that's why Paul opened up his letter to the Galatians with such negativity. And he really upended them. You foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Why? Because the things that these dogs, evil workers and flesh cutters, the gospel, the false gospel that they were peddling the Galatian church we're just about to go along with it. So here, let's go back to the text. Let's go back to the text. So Paul was simply warning these Philippians to beware of these Judaizers. And one of the reasons why they come in with this false gospel, uh, what motivated them even internally was basically pride. And so Paul is going to speak about that. So in their they would have pride. Let me just simply make, give you an understanding. Pride in who they thought they were because they were Jews. They were literally Jews and they were keepers of the law of Moses. So therefore, this gave them some sense of pride and a, some religious sense of being greater than, if I should say it that way. Okay. But anyway. So Paul deals with really the essence of the problem as we move through the text. But he continues to say, I don't know if I read this. I think I did. Verse number three, for we are the true circumcision. Yeah, I read that who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, putting no confidence in the flesh, putting no confidence in being circumcised putting no confidence in feeling that somehow we are righteous through the keeping of the law of Moses. You feel good about yourself by what you do. You see what I'm trying to say? So he's saying we notice Paul included himself. And remember, Paul is a Jew. He's going to talk about that Jewish pedigree later on in this text. But we are and it says true circumcision. The word true is actually not in the text, but you can kind of get the idea. But we are the circumcision who worship God, who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. OK, so he's saying these Jews, the Judaizers, who's trying to get you to Paul is warning them to watch them. And that's when a long time ago I heard of a sermon called watch them dogs. And I think that's exactly where the man who preached that sermon, watch them dogs got it from, but he didn't teach at all what Paul was talking about. He went to talking about poodles and foolishness that ain't have a doggone thing to do with the scripture. But nevertheless, Paul is saying, watch them dogs. But what about them? He said, Paul says we are that circumcision. Now, the reason why I want to really come against true circumcision, you want to be careful in what is called replacement theology. The church has not 
replace the nation of Israel. Now, you, th that's another teaching within itself. But you want to be on guard. That's not what Paul is saying. And that's why I really don't like the idea of the insertion of the word true here. As I said to you earlier, it is not in the text of scripture. But what Paul is saying is, indeed, we are circum we are that spiritual circumcision. And our letruo, our spiritual worship of God is in truth because it is not based upon what this foolishness of this, these Judaizers who in the arrogance of pride, because they think we're Jews, we're circumcised, we obey the law of Moses. So this gives us some kind of great spiritual standing before God. That is salvation by works in who and what you think you are. Notice what Paul says. We don't glory in that being circumcised or keeping of the law of Moses, but we glory. Our glory is in Christ Jesus. We don't put no confidence in the flesh. So what our glory is in the person of Jesus, in the works of Jesus, what Jesus alone has done for us. We don't glory in who we think we are and what we think we have done and how perfectly we think that we walk with God. Our trust is in Jesus alone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus name. On Christ, that solid rock I stand and all other grounds are sinking sand. All other grounds are sinking sand, sinking sand. We put no confidence in the flesh, but we glory in Christ Jesus. Okay. And so this is what Paul is saying. But anyway, so let's go on. Verse number four. And now Paul begins to use himself as an example of one who could boast because he has the right pedigree. He has the right so-called religious background, but nevertheless, he, unlike these Judaizers, consider his pedigree, his past, as far as these things are concerned, to be rubbish and he holds to Jesus and only in Jesus does he put his trust. Thus, verse number four, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But for whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So let me stop there. So now Paul here compares and in a sense contrasts himself with these Jewish teachers, remember, they are false teachers teaching a false gospel. And the reason why their gospel is false is the addition to faith, that is, 
salvation by faith alone, trusting in Jesus alone, the person and works of Jesus alone, but bringing in also the need to keep the law of Moses and the need to be circumcised. So Paul talks about pedigree because clearly they were boasting in their pedigree, them being Jew. If anybody can tell you Gentiles on what you need, it's us Jews who can tell you this because we are Jews. We are children. We are sons of Abraham, even according to the flesh. And we are keepers of the law of Moses. And thus you can see they're boasting in this and partly so you can begin to see that they probably had some type of condescending attitude towards Paul. And so what Paul was doing here was he says, that's rubbish. Let me tell you something. If they think that they can boast because of their pedigree, because of their Jewish heritage, so can I. And that's why he begins to say, if they think they have confidence in the flesh, if anybody can do it, I can do it according to uh, uh, the, the covenant that God made with Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, every Jewish male that opens the womb should be circumcised the eighth day. Paul says, I was circumcised according to that pedigree of the tribe of Benjamin. And we can even remember that Saul, the first king of Israel was of the tribe of Benjamin and Benjamin always having an association with Judah. But anyway, we're not getting all of that. He calls himself Hebrew of the Hebrews. I am indeed Jewish Hebrew born of Hebrew parents with respect to the law. Now he be, so that's that first part deals with the, uh, physical genealogy, genealogy, <laughs> the physical pedigree of Paul. Now he deals with the religious pedigree that he had as to the law of Pharisee. So as with respect to, uh, who Paul was formerly in his Jewish life, the teachers of the people of Israel, Pharisees, those who were highly respected amongst the Jewish people. Then he continues on with respect to that religion, religion that he once had a zeal, a persecutor of the church. So no other higher religious, uh, 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 uh life that Paul once had as being a Pharisee. And then as being one who was intolerant of anything that seemed to put in jeopardy the religious standards of the Jewish people, the religious standard of the Jewish people, the law of Moses. And therefore Paul saw Christians as somehow a threat against Judaism, a threat against the law. So therefore he set about, and y'all remember that according to Acts chapter nine, he set about in even Acts chapter eight to persecute Christians, getting uh, letters of authority from the chief priest to arrest and bind them, uh, uh, all Christians. So again, as to zeal, persecutor of the church. There are none who had a zeal like me. And then as to the righteousness found in the law, Paul speaking of that self-righteous type standard to be found blameless. That is according to the law, he himself deemed himself at that time to be blameless, a keeper of the law. So the point that Paul is trying to bring about here is they were boasting, these Judaizers were boasting in their pedigree and their Jewishness 
and in who they thought they were, Paul is simply saying, if they thought they were somebody because they were Jews and because of their pedigree, I had more. I was more. So they ain't doing nothing. They ain't nobody special, if you'll let me say it that way. So he continues on in verse number seven as I began to read. But let me reread that in this new section. Not so much as a new section, in the continuation of the thought. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Now, let me stop here. It's not difficult to understand this part at all, but to whatever things were once gained in his former life, when you looked at the fact that Jewish, Jewish pedigree and the religion, religious uh, uh, um, position that he had and the advantages that he had, once Christ was revealed to him on that Damascus road, he looked at his former life and he said, Paul, what do you think about who you once were and the advantages that you once had with respect to all of that Jewishness stuff? Paul says, it don't mean nothing to me. It doesn't even matter. I count them as lost. Why? Because I am not concerned about who I think that I am, what I think that I had and who I thought I was supposed to be. It is Jesus. The only thing that is important to me is Jesus. The relationship with Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus grabbing hold to Jesus. So therefore I count all things to be, and I like that word that he used. I count that to be rubbish, or you can even consider it this way to be dung. So all of this, this crap, and you can kind of see him reflecting on those Judaizers that ain't worth a hill of beans because they weren't even who I was. They didn't have the pedigree that I had. So, and if I should count it as nothing, of course they should. Paul's point, <laughs> but Paul's point is the most important thing is to grab hold to Jesus Christ. Now, you know what you cannot miss that need for humility. And remember, if you've been following me in the teaching of this book, how Paul has been saying, talking about the need for humility, Remember, he was saying this. We taught that in chapter two about considering the needs of others before yourself, putting others before yourself, considering others to be greater than yourself. And the point that I made earlier is the only way that you can do this. And this is what Paul was talking about in the common Christian that is talking about Jesus, as the ultimate example. The only way that you can do this is you need to have a mind of humility. And he said this was the mind of the Lord Jesus. He humbled himself. Right. He was the uh, he is the ultimate example of humility because he put the needs of sinful humanity before the glory that he was enjoying himself. Humility. But anyway, so you can see this as Paul is speaking in this vein concerning having all of this uh, uh, Jewish pedigree and religious advantage. Be humble and put all of this junk 
to the side. Why? In order to gain Christ. But anyway, let's keep going because I'm going too far. That verse number nine. Okay, let me deal with that. And you know what, guys? No way am I going to be able to finish this video, uh, 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 this chapter in one video. So let me just do this. Let me finish with this particular section. Let me let's do up to verse number 11 because I like this and I want to put a little more time in this because it's so wonderful and beautiful. So notice you can see that humility effervescing from Paul as he uh, uh, casts. Uh, uh, in a negative sense, anything about his Jewishness and Jewish pride and all of that crap. But he holds on to Christ and what Christ has done for him in that revelation of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the works of Jesus, how Jesus has given him salvation, has Jesus has given him a new mind and all of this. So notice, let's watch it. That I may be found in him. I'm in verse number nine. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from law, because thee is not in the text, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So notice what he says, because no, this is against works salvation. That's the idea. Because, okay, okay, let me slow down. What were the Judaizers trying to do? And this is the warning. Beware the dogs. Beware the mutilation, the false circumcision, as we translate it. Evil workers. Because what were they trying to do? They were trying to get uh, the warning. The Gentiles to become circumcised and to keep the law of Moses. But all of this really comes out of pride. Why? Because you think because you are doing this, this in this way, this you're worthy of salvation. You are attaining your salvation by what you do. And this is in contradistinction to what Paul has preached. Ain't nothing you can do to gain your salvation. Jesus alone has done these things. All right. So what is he saying? So Paul is saying, as far as all of this Jewish stuff, Jewish pride, I can't, I count that as what? Garbage because what now Paul is grabbing a hold to something else first number nine because I want to be found to be in Christ and you'll find that is a principle that Paul loves to talk about the new position. This is what we call a positional truth. This is what the believer is in Jesus. We are now perfect. Every person who is saved is perfect in Jesus. Not perfect because how you live perfect because you have faith in what Jesus has done. The completed works of Jesus makes you perfect and complete. But anyway, anyway, I want to be found in him. What? Not having a righteousness of mine own. In other words, a righteousness that somehow I feel good about because I'm keeping the Mosaic law. This righteousness, he said, no, no, no. I don't want to have some form of a works righteousness. I'm living this way. I'm doing this. I'm keeping this law. I feel good about myself. I'm in good shape with God. This law works righteousness that Paul is talking about. He says, I don't want to have that, that which comes about because of something that I have done. Mm -mm. I want to have a righteousness that's come that which is through 
faith in Christ. Now, let me calm down and slow down because here is where I wanted to, I wanted to take you guys to the Greek. Notice we have a contrast where Paul does not want, that is his own righteousness that comes about by the keeping of the law. I don't want that kind of righteousness, but the righteousness that Paul does want, righteousness that comes by faith. Now let's go look at the Greek and see what Paul said that he actually wanted. Here, we're gonna go directly to that text, that section. Alatain, but Allah, I just read it. Alatain diapisteos Christu, but, and I like that, he uses uh, uh, the definite articles about, and the definite article points to righteousness. I want that righteousness, but the righteousness, what? Dia pisteos Christu. Righteousness through faith, through faith of Christ. Through, I want the kind of righteousness, that perfect and complete righteousness that is derived by having faith in the person of Christ alone, in the works of Christ alone. Tell me about that, that righteousness, that righteousness of faith in Christ alone. Tain ek theu, I like that, it makes me want to shout. Tain the, the tain again, that definite article, the definite article that points to righteousness, the righteousness from God, the righteousness that comes from God. You see, there is no righteousness in what you do, even in the so-called keeping of the law of Moses. Even what does God say? For all of such righteousness, righteousness of works, is as filthy rags, no salvation by what you do. There is only salvation by Jesus and what Jesus has done. And Paul says, this is the righteousness that I want to have, the righteousness of faith. That is that righteousness that comes from God. Now notice, the kasune epite episte, a righteousness on the basis of faith, of righteousness, I am righteous. I am declared righteous. I am perfect on the basis of faith in Jesus alone and never, because it can never be accomplished and never, it can never be accomplished to be righteous on the basis of what you do, which is basically the whole idea. That's that contrast that's happening here. Being righteous, feeling good because of that pridefulness. I keep the law. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't commit adultery. Oh, you feel good. Oh, you're going to make it to heaven. That, first of all, you'll never make it. Second of all, let me make this point too. The Mosaic law was given as a standard of life for the people of Israel, for the Jewish people. The Mosaic law, listen to me. The Mosaic law was never given to save people. It was never intended to bring salvation. The function of the law was this. Number one, faith Trust in the promises of God alone will save you from the old, from the very beginning of the Bible. Let me say it from Genesis, from the beginning 
It has always been since the fall of Adam. Salvation by trusting the promise of God. Notice Genesis 3 and 15 talked about that promised seed. If you had faith and believed in that promised seed, you would be saved. And as God gave greater promises, additional promises, if you believed in the promise of God, God promised Abraham what? He promised Abraham a seed. And what did the Bible say? Genesis 15 and 6. And Abraham believed God for that promised seed. And thus it was counted to him. What? His faith was counted to him as righteousness, not his works. And notice even then there was not even a law. There was not even what? The law of Moses did not even exist. Man has always been saved by faith alone. So thus the law never intended to save. It was simply a standard, a guide. Those who truly believe the promises, if you believe, then God expects you to live this way. So what is Paul trying to say? Paul, I don't want no righteousness that come out of pride. No righteousness that think that because I do this and do that, somehow I can be saved. Because you can't be saved this way. I want the righteousness that comes from God. God himself determines what makes a man's right, makes a man, a person righteous. And what does God say make you righteous? Faith in Jesus alone. It is the righteousness of faith, or should I say it this way, a righteousness that is derived on the basis of faith in Jesus. Tell me this, man, what do you believe? I believe Jesus, the son of God who took flesh, died for my sins, rose from the dead. He is perfect and complete in every way. And in him and him alone do I trust him alone. Then thus saith the Lord God, you are righteous for this very righteousness proceeds from God. It is the plan and intent of God. And apart from this type of righteousness, ain't no righteousness before God. Did y'all get that? It is God's plan, God's intent. And if you have any other kind of righteousness, it ain't God's righteousness. It is a righteousness of the flesh. It is a righteousness that is derived from pride. But anyway, what? That I may know him. I don't know. Did I get this far, guys? But this I'm going to verse 11. So he says what? This is the kind of righteousness Paul says that he wants, that I may know him. Notice that intimacy and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain even to the resurrection of the dead. In other words, Paul is simply saying he abandons all past so-called accomplishment, which was nothing but rubbish. He abandons all pride working of the flesh somehow in doing this and doing that. He is approved before God by the keeping of the law. He abandons everything that he might take hold to Jesus, that he might be conformed, that he might be identified with Jesus in every way. Notice what he says. Know him in the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering. What comes to my mind? I want to be 
like Jesus. And you see a word metamorphe in, in a different form of its uh, uh, related uses in the Greek terms here, but we're not going to investigate that. But the idea is I want to be like Jesus in every way. He suffered. I want to suffer. He was transformed. I want to be transformed. He died. I want to die like my Lord. He rose again from the dead. And I, in every way, I want to be like Jesus. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I have, Paul says, I have fully grabbed hold of Jesus. And you know what I want? Jesus and Jesus alone. And as far as who I was, what I thought I was, the pride that comes out of me being a Jew, that Jewishness and the keeping of the law, being a Pharisee and the zeal, man, that means nothing. I want to be like Jesus in every way. And I say yes to the transformation, whether it is suffering. Yes. Whether it is death. My soul says yes. Whatever it is to be changed into Jesus, I want to be conformed to the glory of the Messiah. Okay, I stopped there because I started preaching and I've also was testifying too, because that's what I thank God for his mercy to me. I thank God for his patience with me because God has God has brought me to that point. Well, I too can join Paul. I want to be like Jesus. If I must suffer, let me suffer. If I must die, let me die. But whatever you do, Father, just change me that I might be like my Lord. So I, I love that. I love, okay, okay, okay. I have stopped teaching altogether and started preaching. But anyway, I'm going to conclude the video right there. All Paul was simply saying, and we go, we, we're going to continue later on, is that he was warning the Philippians to be mindful of the Judaizers coming in, trying to teach this false gospel, hetero gospel of being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses because all that is, is the derivative it comes out of pride. You trying to feel good about yourself. You trying to feel good about what you do and somehow that warrants in some way or another, your salvation that adds or completes or perfects your salvation. Paul says that ain't nothing but garbage. I too had a life that I could have looked back to on my Jewish pedigree and on my Jewish religious advantage. But you know what? When Jesus came into my life on that road to Damascus, I now count that as boo-boo. I count that as rubbish as dumb and all I want to do is grab a hold to what has grabbed hold to me that is Christ Jesus and I want to be conformed into his very image and I now want to have not my own righteousness you I used to pursue that my own righteousness which is about the law but I want my righteousness that comes from faith and it is the righteousness that is from God himself and I want to hold to that by faith with everything. I want to be conformed to Jesus, whether by suffering, by death, or by resurrection. Everything that has to do with my Lord, I want to be like him. All right, enough. I went too far. I was crazy to even think that I would finish this. But 
Don't you want that too? I pray that you do. But anyway, guys, thanks for joining me in that teaching. If this lesson has been a blessing to you, support this ministry. You can support this ministry financially if the Lord touches your heart. There's a link in the description to tell you how to do that. And always you can support the ministry by giving the, what is the like and subscribe with the YouTube so the word of God can go out to God's people. All right. Thanks guys for joining with this video. God bless you. And I eagerly wait to see you next time.